This year, 1909, deserves remembrance for one thing at least aside from the retirement into private life of President Roosevelt. A few weeks ago, through the Virginia Capes, steamed into Hampton Roads our battle fleet, sixteen salt-crusted veterans of an unprecedented adventure, the circumnavigation of the globe by an entire fleet. There they were, back from the distant seas, guns roaring in salute to our president, flags flying everywhere, whistles from craft of all kinds, shrieking them a welcome home. Roosevelt, unafraid as always, had sent them out in the teeth of unnumbered critics who foresaw our battleships with broken-down machinery rusting in every foreign port from Valparaiso to Gibraltar. But instead, with engines smoothly turning, the blunt noses of those sixteen battleships plowed back sturdily into Hampton Roads. I never had any fears. I had watched the machinery of every one of those sixteen ships grow on the drafting tables of the Bureau of Steam Engineering. Pistons, cranks, connecting rods, boilers, pumps, condensers— My life went into the design of those engines and boilers on every ship, and from the flagship Connecticut proudly leading the long line down to the distant battleship bringing up the rear of the column, there wasn't a boiler, there wasn't a steam cylinder that wasn't part of George Wallace Melville. Under my eyes, under my guidance, they had grown from ideas on the drawing board to the roaring kettles and the throbbing engines, before which panting coal heavers and sweating oilers toiled below to drive those beautiful white hulls round the world and safely home to Hampton Roads. But now I can foresee the day of those ships is done and I think I have discernment enough left to see that mine is also. Here in this year 1909, hardly six years since my retirement as Engineer-in-Chief of the Navy, I look upon the vast fleet, the machinery of which I designed, and I see its passing. Last year the Lusitania, turbine-driven, speeding across the Atlantic to a new record, sounded the knell of the huge reciprocating engines I designed for all those battleships. And practically completed, waiting to join her older sisters, was the Delaware, our newest ship, a dreadnought, so they call her now, a huge ship of twenty thousand tons, but fired by oil. Her oil fires spell the doom of the romance of the fire room, the stokers, the grimy coal passers, the slice bar, that pandemonium, that man-made inferno with forced draft fans roaring, with the clang of coal buckets trolleying from bunker to fire room floor, with the glare of the flames on sweating torsos as the furnace doors swing back and brawny arms heave in the coal. They'll all go soon, flying connecting rods and straining coal heavers, driven out by the prosaic turbine and the even more prosaic oil burner. But so it goes. We marine engineers dream, design, and build to send forth on the oceans the most beautiful creations man turns out anywhere on land or sea. But soon our ships fade from existence like a mist before the sun. 
For sixteen years I was engineer-in-chief for the Navy, and the machinery of that battle fleet the nation watched so proudly steaming home through the capes was my creation. But I've seen enough in the fifty years since I entered the Navy when the Civil War broke out to doubt that ten years more will find a single ship of that armada still in active service. Turbines, oil-burning boilers, bigger guns, heavier armor, they are crowding in fast now, and soon my ships will go to the wreckers to make way in the fleet for the bigger and faster vessels sliding down the building ways in the wake of the huge Delaware.